Today, I believe, is the start of something bigger than what we've ever done before. <clears throat> this is probably one of the most significant moments in the history of our church. We've done amazing things up to this point. We've had people who have sacrificed and sacrificed to build this community to where we are now. But now we're at a place where we can get to make a decision. Do we make this bigger? Do we make, this, uh, do we make ourselves be able to reach more people than ever before? And I believe that this has got, um, uh, uh, this has got the, the ability to truly change our lives because it's not just about what we give, but it's about what God can do through us. And when God works through us and moves through us, I believe it grows our faith and it grows our joy. It grows our personal fulfillment because we've seen God do something amazing through us. So today I'm going to be handing out to you, uh, we're going to have the ushers and the, 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 the greeters and the welcome team come out and they're going to give you a workbook right now. So if the team wants to come forward and we'll start handing out these workbooks. We put a lot of work and effort together in this workbook because this workbook is going to help us to go through the journey that we're trying to go through today and the next five weeks. We're going to be studying all about um, all about Abraham and what God did through this one man. Now, if you take the workbook, you'll see on in our page one, it literally has a space to put your name on it. How cool is that? It'll be your own special workbook. So what you just have to do is open up. Now, you already have pens on your chair. You can open up the workbook and you can put in big, joiny up letters your name right there on the first front page. This is a workbook that we're asking that you'll bring for the next five weeks. I want you to treat it like it's your second Bible for the next five weeks. In this book, it will actually share with you what we're doing, why we're doing it, and why are we doing it now? Why now? Well, we've endeavored to really put a lot of effort into answering all of those questions. The other thing that's in this workbook is that from week to week for this next five weeks, including today, there will be six total weeks where we're going to be doing teachings, where we're following the journey of Abraham. How did he get to the place where he truly was able to trust God enough for God to do something significant and momentous through him? He, according to Romans, I believe, chapter 5, or maybe 7, can't remember, but don't quote me on that one. I know it's in the book of Romans where it literally says that Abraham is the, the model, he is the template of faith for us. And so that's why we want to look at what Abraham has done. And the cool thing is we're going to be doing this in the youth as well. We're going to be doing this on Wednesday nights and we're also going to be doing it with children's church. So if you've got children in children's church right now, you have an opportunity to go over and see what they've done over there. The creative team have done a really cool set over there for the kids and they'll have their own journal as well. And we're asking that you'll spend time with your kids this week uh, talking about what is it that God is telling us to do week by week as we discover this journey of going big. And then finally, we'll also be using these journals in the small groups. So, so bring it with you. And if you're not very good at remembering to bring this, this, this book with you, just tell your wife, could you bring my book for me? Because there's a better chance that she's going to remember it, right? Am I wrong? No, just me? Okay. So, so the fact is, stick it in your car, stick it in, where, you know, in, in your vehicle, wherever you think you're going to remember this. Bring this every week with you. We're asking you to do that. And then also take it to your small group as well. Now, what am I asking you to do? Well, over the next six weeks, before we actually decide to say, hey, let's, uh, let's take up the, the commitments for what we're trying to do over the next two years of this giving initiative, we're going to take a time of, of, uh, of, of really looking into three different things. And if you want to look for, for page 22, I think, page 22. 
Now, I already have a tab in mind, so it's easier for me to remember where that page is. Page 22. Not every page is numbered, but I'm sure you'll figure it out. 22 comes after 21. So on page 22, there's three things we're asking you to do. The first one is this, is to pray fervently. Pray fervently. Why? Because without this, we can't do the work of God. Without the Spirit of God, we can't really do the work of God. We want to make sure we put God first in everything we do. So this just doesn't turn into a program. This just doesn't turn into an effort of what we're trying to do and what we can achieve. We need God to be in first, right? We already know he's all in, but we want to be all in with a God who's already all in. At the back, we even have a prayer wall that's back there. Next week, we'll actually give you some cards, and we're going to ask you to write out what it is that you're praying for, for the future of our church, and then you can put it onto the, the prayer wall back there, because we want to share, and we want to honor what it is collectively that we're trying to do as a church when we're praying for greater things to happen in us. The second thing I'm asking you to do is this, is to grow purposefully. What does that mean? Growing purposefully is to be 100% all in. And I'm looking for every person in this church to give their engagement, to give their activity, to give their time and their attention to this. You see, how cool would it be if every person in this church said, yes, I'm all in. Now, I know from our statistics of what we, what we bring in as a church financially, and I'm not just talking about finances, but finances, we know that there's about 20% of you give every week to the church. There's many more of you that give your time and your talent, and there's so many ways that we give ourselves. But I'm looking for 100% engagement in this, because imagine... What would happen when the brothers and the sisters come together in unity and they all decide to say yes in one voice? Imagine what could happen in and through this church. The other way that I'm asking you to grow purposefully is to be here every week. Because we're going on a whole journey and I realize, you know, that, that, that not everyone comes every week. That's just the way we are now. Statistically, they say that people come to church 1.5 times a month. I don't know how you become half a month, but anyway, or half a part of a month. You just put your foot in and then leave or something. I don't know. But that's the, the, the statistics that are out there. But I'm asking you for the next five weeks after today to commit to coming every week so that we can collectively as one body see the journey that God is trying to take us on through the eyes of what he did in Abraham's life. Last thing I'm asking you to do as well is to attend a group. We're really great believers in small groups. And I, you know, maybe it doesn't fit for you. Maybe we don't have one that's ready for you. Maybe you're not ready to do that. That's fine. But really, it's still on the agenda of the journey of your life is to be a part of a group. Why? I heard a pastor say it like this once. He said, God moves more in circles than he does in rows. God moves more in circles than he does in rows. It's amazing when you're face to face with someone else and other brothers and sisters in Christ and you're sharing your faith, how much God can move in your life more than he can do with you just sitting looking at me, right? Nobody wants to look at me all day long, only for at least half an hour on a Sunday morning, right? But, but I, want, I want to encourage you to do that. We have a, an information desk at the back if you want to find out about more groups or you can even go on our website, northwestorlando.com and you can see the small group finder there. Find a group it's worth going to. The third thing that you'll see in your, your workbook there, the first one was pray fervently. Second one was grow purposely. The third thing that we're asking you to do is to give generously. Give generously. Now here is a picture of what we're looking to go towards as a church. This is the design of our next building. Now I want you to be clear. I know it's exciting for me. 
I've run out of excitement. Oh my goodness. This is the next step in the journey that we're going to take probably for the next 10, 15, 20 years time. We think we've got a plan for the next 20 years. I want to, I want to, be, I want to tell you how grateful I am for the teams that have put blood, sweat, and tears into trying to figuring out what are we meant to do, why are we meant to do it, and when are we meant to do this. The amount of effort that we put into figuring out what is our calling and what is our culture as a church and what is the best tool to serve that. And so we've come up with this amazing design that we have and week after week we'll actually start revealing some more drawings that we have. I'm only going to give you this drawing today just as a teaser, but that's the first building that we're looking to build. That'll be about twice the size of what we're doing right now. But to build this building, it's going to take a lot of effort financially of us to actually make that happen. And so we're now coming up with a new thing called the One Fund. What's the One Fund? The one fund is the fund that basically covers everything that we currently do as a church and everything that we hope to do as a church. You see, so far, we, we operate just as we have, usually have our tithes and offerings and then we do a separate building fund. Well, we've decided that really everything we do, it's constantly for what we're doing today and what we're trying to do for the future, trying to grow into the future. And so we're calling it the One Fund. Let me try and break that down very quickly for you. Over the next two years, we would need to bring in $1.8 million to keep doing what we're doing today. Currently, we already bring in $900,000 a year. So over two years, that would be 1.8 if you went to school and did mathematics, right? So two times 900 is $1.8 million. That, if we bring that in, that will allow us to keep doing what we're doing. And what we're doing is not only a Sunday morning, it's the upkeep of the buildings. Yes, it's salaries, but it's also for the ministries that we do. We support about eight different ministries as a church. One of those is actually the Lovely Project that is its own charitable uh, endeavor. It's a really, it's, it came from Northwest. We're in 10 different schools. We just did a, 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 a mentor training day yesterday, and I believe we had 16 young people that were training up to become mentors to go into other schools. How freaking cool is that? And every penny that you give currently goes towards funding those things that we do as a church. But in order to get to where we're trying to get to, we will probably need to, we will need to bring in more than twice than what we're actually bringing in over the next two years. And so that will be an extra $2 million. And that's how we get to $3.8 million that we need to bring in as a church. Now, the actual new building will cost more than that. But we know fine well that we already own this building outright. We own this building outright, so we've got value in this building. And well done, Northwest. You've already paid off our new property up there on 429. How cool is that? Come on now. Wow. How cool is that? So in your booklet, you will actually have a commitment card. And I'm not looking to go through this right now. But this will give you an explanation of how the one fund works where you are on, on the track of giving. And on the back, it even gives you a rough idea of what if you gave this amount every month, where it would actually take us and how it would actually help us. So it gives you a, big, a quick explanation of how that whole commitment process is going to work. Again, we're not going to go through that all right now, but it's there for you to go home with, to have a look at it, to study it, and see where you can be a part. The other thing that we're asking you, for you to do to give generously is, to, is to, to, be, to, to look at these key dates that we have up on the screen. Today is that first key date. This is the beginning of our journey to discover what is it that God wants us to do. 
We're doing our big Go launch today. This is it today, right? On March 27th, we'll actually be an advanced commitment night. And that will be for leaders and for pastors. And if you count yourself as a leader or a pastor in the church, we're inviting you to come to that night. Why do we want to do a separate thing? Because in 1 Chronicles, it says this, the leaders must go first. And we want to lead by example. I need to be the one who goes first. I need to be all in first. I need to decide, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'm going to put my offering in first before anybody else. Unfortunately, Jeff Yates beat me and he decided to start last year. But leaders need to go first. And then, of course, on April the 5th will be our public commitment Sunday. That's, that'll be our six weeks, uh, five weeks away from today. And I'm asking you to be there after you have prayed, after you've maybe even fasted and asked God, what should you do to be all in? What should you do to go big? And on that Sunday will be our opportunity to actually give publicly and give as a body of Christ. And then, of course, on April 26th will be our commitment celebration where we will have one heck of a party. Now, if you are brand new here today and this is your first Sunday, believe me, there is no obligation for you to be a part of this. You don't have to do anything with this at all. But if you consider this as your church, I'm asking you to be 100% in. And if you're, this is your first time and you're looking for a church, all I can say is this, opportunity knocks. Opportunity knocks because I believe that God wants every person to be 100% engaged, 100% involved in the kingdom of God. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he didn't say, pray like this, ask God to help you get to heaven. He said this, pray like this, may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, right? So our job is to bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Every Christian, listen, Christians, it's your job to bring the kingdom from earth down to here on earth. It's our job to make that happen. And I'm urging you, I'm beseeching you to be the type of Christian that is living the business of bringing the kingdom of heaven down to here on earth. And if you don't do it here, do it in some other church. I'm not saying you have to do it here at Northwest. What I'm saying is you're still obliged to have to do it as a Christian. So let's go through what is that journey? What's the first week that we're looking at? The first week is you're actually going to go to page uh, 26. Today we want to talk about go big and follow me. Go big and follow me. And if you turn in your book, your workbook to page 26, you'll see that there is the scripture there that we're going to be looking at. And then there's a blank page that you can take your pen and take notes. I really encourage you to take notes so that you have something to talk about with your family this week and at small groups as well. And then on the right-hand side is the small group discussion that you'll be able to go through when you do your small group. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, when God made his first contact with Abram. And it says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now that is one of the biggest blessings you could ever read in the scriptures. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, it says that we as a church, as a people of God, have actually inherited the blessing of Abraham because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
through, because we're in Christ, we've inherited the blessing of Abraham because Jesus was in the lineage of, of, of uh, Abraham. In fact, you read the beginning of, uh, of the book of Matthew, it goes through all of Jesus' lineage and Abraham's right there. We, the church, have inherited this blessing as well. Now, this is a massive blessing. And when you think about it, what a huge undertaking for someone like Abraham to have to take on that blessing. Now, Abraham just actually, actually, uh, he, he uh, just before it in chapter 11, it actually has the story of, um, of the Tower of Babel. And many of you have actually probably t- read the story of the Tower of Babel and, and how they spoke as one tongue and how they were trying to build this huge tower up to, the, up to the heaven and they were trying to make their own God. In fact, they were trying to take over the place of God. And God saw how much power they moved in because they were in one unity. And God literally said this. He said, if I don't stop them, there will be nothing impossible for them. And so we know the rest of the story. He came in and he caused confusion and he made them have to all speak different languages so they couldn't live or work together as one anymore. But what happened after that was, this is in chapter 12. This is where God was still looking for someone to found his covenant with. He wasn't just trying to reject people. He was trying to actually reach people, but he had to do it where he was the center of who they were. And so this is where we come to in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And God finds Abram and he says, through you do I want to manifest my blessing." And what we found is Abram became the father of the three largest religions that exist today. That is Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Most people think that he's only the father of Judaism, but actually he's the father of all of these faiths according to each one of these faiths. That's positive proof of what God can do through one person who says yes. Did you hear that? When God says he wants to do something through you, he's the one who will actually make it happen. He just needs you to say, yes. Yes, I'm all in. Yes and amen. My goodness, if I was, uh, if I was Bishop Robinson right now, I'd get more response right now because I'm preaching at least 26% better than your response right now. Where's, thank you. Where's Bishop Robinson when you need him? Let's roll it back, as he says. Oh my gosh. But look at that. What's what's crazy is that Abram, right? Abram means father. Abram was already a part of who he was. It was a desire. But at 75 years old, for 60 years, he couldn't have children. He couldn't, he couldn't make it happen. He couldn't, even though even he tried and he tried, I'm sure he tried a lot, right? He tried and he tried and he couldn't have children. The, 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 the doubt that must have filled his heart that I'm a father and I want to be a father, but I can't have children. And God comes along and says, I not only want to do, have this blessing and I want to create this blessing for the rest of the world. I'm actually going to give you a son. But before that happens, I'm going to change your name and I'm going to change it to Abraham, which means father of many. What I find is this, is that God usually changes what you say about yourself. He changes what your faith is. He changes your words. He changes your attitudes before he manifests what it is he's going to do through you. And I believe that many of us need to start changing the way that we talk about what God has called us to do. Instead of saying what you can't do, how about saying what he can do through you? 
Instead of saying, God, I'm not smart enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not connected enough. I'm not able enough. How can you use me? It's not me. Don't send me, God. How about you just say, God, you could do whatever the heck you want through me because you're bigger than I am. You see, whatever God calls you to is not your problem. It's God's problem. He's the one that's got to manifest it. He's the one who's got to make that happen. It's up to you to say yes to God. And look at this, the destiny that was in Abraham is the same destiny that is within us. And we've inherited this blessing in Galatians chapter three through Jesus Christ. So let's look at three questions that I want to throw out to you. Three questions that we have to ask ourselves about the response, about the, 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 the calling that was on Abraham's life and the response that he had to give. The first one is this, am I really following God? Am I really following. Well, yeah, I'm here on Sunday morning, Peter, so I must be following God. That's good. Abraham acknowledged God as the God most high too, but it doesn't mean he was following him all the way. Let's read this. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, Genesis 12, 1, it says, he said this, go from the country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now think about that. He said, I'm going to show you to go somewhere. I just want you to go there. Are you in? And most of us, we would go, well, where is the land? <laughs> before I say yes, before I sign on the dotted line, it's like buying a car. Before I sign on the dotted line, I want to see what all the charges are. I want to know exactly what's happening. But with God, he didn't do that with Abram. He didn't tell him everything that he was getting into. I think that most of us actually demand to understand where we're going and how it's going to work before we commit and if your Enneagram is that particular number where you have to be in control, you're absolutely screwed, right? But the fact is, most of us do that. Most of us demand that we have to know where we're going, but God can't tell you every detail. Do you know why? Because it'll scare the living daylights out of you and you'll say, no, I can't do that. There's no way you can do that through me. I'm not doing that. God can't show you everything because our minds can't conceive everything that God has planned for us. But at the end of the day, it's not about what matters. It's about who matters. It's not about what that matters. It's the who. Who are we following? Who are we going after? Who is asking us to do this? Which then takes me to the second question that I believe that we have to ask ourselves when we look at the call that was on Abraham. And it was the second one is this. Where is my security? Genesis 12, one, as we just read, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, number one, your people, number two, and your father's household, number three, to the land that I will show you. Where is your security? Is it in your job? Is it in that you're making enough money? Are you too scared to take a risk to go try and take on another vocation or another job or something simply because the job that you're in gives you security? Are you too scared to give up the job that you have because maybe you don't need two incomes, but God is telling you to give up that job because he wants to do something through you that doesn't demand that you have to have the security of that job. Maybe it's in your education. Maybe it's in the, the, the provision that you can create for your, your children, that you can get them to this school, you can get them to that education. It's amazing how many parents are willing to put their children in schools that have a bad and a horrible culture simply because, well, I need to make sure that they go to that school because that will be on the resume. When the fact is you're actually possibly destroying your children's culture within themselves because you're putting them in the lion's den that they're not ready for. 
Listen, we have to ask the question, what is our security in the resume of our children or in the fact that God will promote them? They don't need a phenomenal resume. They need the promotion of the Father and the Spirit of God in their life. God will carry them wherever they need to go to if they know how to walk with God. They don't know how to walk with God. It doesn't matter what the resume is. I don't care if they work for Bill Gates. It's not going to make them become everything they're meant to be. Maybe your security is even in your car or your house or, or whatever it is that you've got. But Abraham had to go beyond whatever security he had. And it's interesting that God didn't just say, Abraham, go there. He said, take all of this and that and this and that and that. Take it all and go there. Here's an interesting fact that I discovered as I was studying this. If you back up into chapter 11, it actually talks about Abraham's father was also on his way to Canaan. He had felt the call of God on his life to go to Canaan, but he didn't go all the way. Let's read this. It says in chapter 11, verse 31, Terah, which is Abram's father, took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. That's the promised land. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. You see, wherever your father and your mother have settled, God is not calling you to live up to the standard of your mother and father. He's calling you to go beyond your parents. Only one person agrees with that. That's okay. God was telling Abraham, you go all the way. Make your own personal decision to do this. Don't settle for the limits of your family. Years ago, I had to do this myself. And maybe you might think it's easier because, well, I didn't have a family. I didn't have an income. I didn't have a whole bunch of wealth. I didn't have a vocation that I was actually locked into right then. Listen, it's not the things that you have that stop you from moving forward. It's your heart. It's your heart of trusting God that stops you from moving forward. We can come up with all the excuses in the world, but at the end of the day, it's still your heart that either gives you the confidence or it gives you the fear to go do or don't do the things of God. And years ago, when I first moved over to here, I only came for like a year. And then after the second year, I'm like, okay, well, God, I felt God say, stay another year. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll stay a second year. Then I go to the third year and I'm like, well, maybe I should go back to Scotland. I knew that God was saying, stay a third year. God didn't tell me everything that was happening. And then I got, I got duped into getting, someone, getting married to someone here. And that screwed up all my plans. And now I'm here forever, right? That's it. I'm stuck now, right? I absolutely love it. But the fact is, even though many of, and you're all Americans here, right? You all think that this country is absolutely amazing and everybody wants to come here. Right? That's only true if you come from a country that sucks. I didn't have a need to come here. In fact, if anything, I missed my household. I missed my family. I missed, I missed the food that I ate. I missed the, the culture. I missed the seasons, right? You get literally seasons in Scotland. I missed the snow. I missed my friends. I missed the, the comedy, the humor that people understood so that when I told a joke, they actually laughed around America and I get a blank face. 
But even with that, I had to change the way I was doing things. I had to change my humor. I had to change the way I talked. If you think I talk Scottish today, you should have heard me 25 years ago when I first came over. No one understood a thing I said because I was so broad in my accent. You have to adapt what you're doing. You have to change because you have to leave your culture. Now, even my father had probably one of the largest churches in Scotland and he had planted other churches and he planted churches around the world. He had a, a, a school, he had a, a, a skate park. He was doing all these ministries and he was just growing and growing and growing. And God said, leave to me. I didn't want to leave. Everything was secure there. Everything was just perfect and hunky-dory. I didn't want to give up. If anything, I wanted to be a part of what my father was doing. Surely it would have been easier to ride the momentum of what he was building. But God said, no, I want you to do something else. Leave and move. See, many of you have maybe come from terrible backgrounds, terrible upbringings, and it's easy for you to say, no, I want to leave. But it's hard for you to actually act and leave. But there's others of you that it's actually easier for you to stay at the standard and the level that your mother has, your father has set, set in your life. But God is still telling you, move on from where your parents settled. Go to the next step. Go to the next step. Go to the place that I'm calling you to. It's time to be all in. And many of us might be excited about what God is doing in Northwest Church and what he's doing through the ministries of this church. But it doesn't mean that you're all in. It doesn't mean that you've necessarily left your comfort and it's time for you Christians to be all in and leave the comfort of the things that make you feel safe. It's time for you to be invested in what God is calling you to do. <clears throat> Listen, there is no reward for being associated, only being activated. Hello? There is no reward for being associated, only being activated. Because faith without works is, it's dead. It's dead. And it's on us to have to act in the faith of Jesus Christ. Number three, number three. Have I offered my blessing back to God to be multiplied for the kingdom of God? Have I offered my blessing back to God to be multiplied for the kingdom of God? Genesis 12 verses four to five. What did Abraham say? Can I tell you what he said? Nothing. But I can tell you what he did. It says this. So Abraham went. He went. And as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. Listen, let me tell you. If there's any of you that are more older and you think, well, I've done my part. I guess I'm all done. God is not done with you. He is not done. <laughs> you just identified yourself as an old person by saying that. <laughs> He said, amen. <laughs> Your days are not done. They're not over. God can do greater things in the latter part of your life than the former part of your life. And I firmly believe that. But here's the thing. It says this, verse five. He took his wife, Sarai, number one, his nephew, Lot, number two, all the possessions that he had accumulated, number three, and the people that he had acquired in Haran, number four, that's his servants, and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me he took everything and he pointed it towards the direction of God. He took everything he had and he pointed it towards the direction that God had called him. You see, he didn't say, well, listen, maybe I can buy a second home in Canaan. 
and I'll keep my home here in Haran. And what I'll do is I'll go between. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll navigate between the two things, right? I'll, I'll go between. I'll go there on a Sunday and I'll try and do what God's called me to do. But no, no, what I'll do is I'll come home to my wife, my servants and all the wealth that I've got. I'm not willing to give it up. No, it says that he uprooted everything and he pointed it towards the direction of God. We have a choice with the things that God has given us. We either hold on to the things that God has given us and we stay where we are or we decide to offer it without restriction. We decide to point everything that we have and we give it all in to God. The fact is, we already have an example of someone who did this. Jesus Christ, our Savior, already did this. He said, yes, Father, I'm all in. Most of us think that the, the, the first sacrifice that Jesus made was actually to go to the cross. It wasn't. The first sacrifice that he made was to become holy God and holy mankind. He became human. He could have just stayed God. He could have stayed in the glory of what he had. But no, he decided to become one of us and go through the pains and the fears and the temptations that we have gone through. That was the first sacrifice he made. He said, Father, I am all in. Why are we doing this? Why are we going big? I'll tell you why we're going big. Because the first one is this. We have an obligation to be all in. God expects us to win more people for Christ. He doesn't expect you to be richer. He expects you to win more people for Christ. If you become richer for the purpose of winning more people for Christ, then that's what God is all about. We have a job to do. The second reason why I think that going big is so important is because we are still in the game. Think about it. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he didn't say, just help me get to heaven. He said, let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Our job is to bring the kingdom of heaven down here on earth. The only chance that you've got to do that is now. Not when you've gone to heaven. Not when you're in the stands cheering everybody on. You're in the game today. It's time to get on the field and give your best. Don't get on the field and go, hey guys, sorry I'm late. I just, I turned up. I haven't stretched out. Uh, I, I forgot my water bottle, but where, what position do you need me to play in? I'm really tired. I'm not prepared. I don't really know what to do. No, 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 no. That team is going to go, get out of here, buddy. We don't need you giving halfway or giving a little bit of your best to here on, on the game. We need you to be all in. Why? Because we're looking to win. We're not looking just to play. We're looking to win. Who are we trying to win? We're trying to win more souls for the, the, the kingdom of Christ. People of God, Christians, I need you to be all in with winning people to Christ. You're still in the game. And now is the time to play. You see, all the people who are already in heaven, they don't get to be on the field anymore. Yes, it says there's a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on and saying, go on, go on, Tom, go on, Beth, go on, Billy, go on. You keep doing these things. They're cheering us on, but they don't get a chance to do what we're doing. We in the kingdom of God have the greatest position today in the kingdom of God because we get to be a part of what God is doing now. Why are we doing this? Because he expects us to do it. So here's my two big goals. My two big goals is number one, 100% engagement. That every one of us will say yes. That's what I want. That's my dream. That everyone will say yes to God. Show me what you want me to do. Show me what it is to number two, help the church to get the resources that they need. And I'll, we'll talk about that in the coming weeks as well. We'll talk about how Abraham did it and how he is challenging us to go through it as well. 
So here's your workbook. You've got it with you. Hopefully you've taken some notes. If you're taking your notes, I want you to talk about it with your family this week. I want you to to go to your small groups and keep this workbook with you as we go through this journey. And if you're not in a small group, go to the the information desk, go online to our small group, finder.northwestorlando.com and go find a small group and get involved. And the last thing is as well, is I actually want to give you a small gift that's at the back for you to take with you. It's It's a water bottle that says go big on it. Do you know why I want to give you that? It's because every time you see it, I want you to pray. Now, what I was going to do was I was going to get a cardboard cutout of me and send it to every one of your houses, right? (laughs) In the space that you still want. If you want one, we'll get one ordered for you, right? Right? And it's going to be a picture of me with with big Go Big t-shirt on. It's like, go big, like this, right? Right? And I'll have my space suit on. (laughs) Obviously, it's way more popular. See, creative team, I was right. That's what the people want. Let's give the people what they want. Sound like a politician already. Um, but our, we're like, oh, let's dumb it down then. We'll give you a water bottle. So, <laughs> so we just want to do it because we want you to be reminded every day. Hopefully you drink water. Um, reminded every day to go big, to pray about it. God, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through us? This is not about how much money we can bring in. That will be one of the fruitfulness of this whole process. It's about what God can do through us. You see, if a millionaire, Bill Gates came in today and he said, Pete, I'm gonna give you a billion dollars, do whatever you want, it's all yours. I would still do this Go Big campaign. I would still do it because it's what God can do in you that matters most to me. It's what God can do through you that is so important to me that God can get you to move by faith so you can become the sons and daughters that truly trust the Father because we know he is good. Are you with me, Northwest? Awesome. Let's take a stand this morning. Father, as we're preparing our hearts for the next five weeks, as we're making a commitment to bring this workbook every week, as we're saying, Father, do something, go big. We're asking that you would include me. Include me, Lord. Father, it's easy for me to say, I don't have enough. I don't have anything to give. Lord, you don't need us to have all the resources. You just need someone that will say, yes, I'm willing to receive the resources and I'll give the resources. I'm willing to say, yes. And I pray, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, that every person that is in this room right now would start to see this vision and this desire in their heart to do something great here on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray that you'd fill every person with your spirit. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Let's give God a great hand of thanks.